Welcome back All the Fly Kids Show. This is episode 31, the untitled episode. I am your host, Geronimo Knows. Here as always with my co-host and super engineer, Backpack Matt. What's up? And uh, today's episode, I wanted to make sure I get somebody in because I, li- I like doing episodes that have a community focus because um, I'm always watching. I'm always, I have a lot of friends who do work and make sure that they are touching the people and making sure that they're sharing the knowledge that they've gained to help empower them. So I want to make sure that I highlight these individuals that are, that are doing work within D.C. Um, because the work is notable, it's noble, and I have a great respect for individuals like this. So today we have community activist, attorney, and owner of Stoop Law in Historic Anacostia, Mr. Ari Teresa. Hi, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. appreciate that. Word, word, word. So thank you for coming, man. How are you feeling today? I feel good, man. I'm glad to be here. Um, I, I've heard a lot about the Impact Hub spaces, so I'm glad to be in one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Impact Hub is uh, blowing up. <laughs> it's definitely blowing up <laughs> it's now. It's on the way. It's on the way, man. You know, we, we definitely going to make sure that. Uh, so just start from the top, man. Let people know where you're from. I'm, I'm from D.C. I'm from uh, Dean Wood. Um, Split my time as a youngin between Deanwood and Silver Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, went to undergrad in Atlanta, did law school at Howard, and moved back to the city um, when I came back to go to Howard. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, in my research for this for this show, this episode, I um. I think you said this on um you were on the uh, that's law podcast um mm-hmm. with uh tony lewis and you mentioned that you're a fourth generation washingtonian yes sir yes okay sir. okay and just i always like to ask people who have been in the city a long time whether they grew up here they've just been living here a long time uh-huh. i like to ask them like what the city was like for them growing up and what they remember it you know from how they remember it um from their youth okay well um my, my family is uh mostly from uh some in Ward 8, some in Ward 7. So my grandparents lived in uh, Marshall Heights, mm-hmm. and I lived in Dean Wood. And, um, you know, all my uncles and stuff and aunts lived in the area, like uh, between, you know, RFK Stadium over yeah. around there. and um, When the place still looked nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean... RFK I, I, is not a, it's, it's not the prettiest place to look at. These nah, days. Nah, <laughs> so. not, not anymore. But but I think that uh, you know pretty much the the areas where I, I came up mm-hmm. are pretty similar <laughs> to how they were when I was coming up. But um, you know the rest of the city definitely is not. Mm-hmm. You know, and there there are um, places that you know I don't even recognize. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, know. many of us can say that. You know. Yeah. You know, I I just finished up. I was working on a contract uh, when work for uh, Google Maps, and I was gone recently just for like three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And even in that three and a half month period, I come back and so much has changed. Yep. And I'm just like, I wasn't even gone that long. <laughs> like, and I'm like, when did that open? Where did that come from? I'm just like, oh, they finally finished that. And like, when did they put that hole in the ground? So definitely, um, overnight. Oh. It's it's almost as if of the of the because I've also lived in Philly I've lived in New York mm-hmm. and I know redevelopment gentrification that's not something unique to D.C. but it also it almost seems as though um, what's what's happening in D.C. is happening more rapidly 
than in some other cities. But I want to talk about that a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, law. With you becoming a lawyer, um, is this something that you had an interest in as a youth, or you just decided once you were in undergrad, you know, when it, what, what inspired that career path? Um, I, I think, I think you know, just as a, as a child and, and growing up, I think I've always had a um, just this idea of trying to figure out how things work, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like the law is, you know, it's not like an engineer or anything, but it's definitely how things work in terms of like how our society's ordered, and um, so I had an interest in that, and I, I think I've always had an interest in that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So are you the, the, the first attorney in your immediate family? I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then as far as just like with you being a community activist, is this is this something that you grew up around just in your family and whatnot? Because a lot of people, I, I mean, I, I know for myself, I did not grow up in a socially conscious, aware type of family. Like, you know, I come from just a regular family. My parents went to work. They came home. They were happy for vacation. <laughs> that was that. You know, I mean, I definitely did. Um, you know, my mom was one of thirteen. Grew up in Marshall Heights. They said dirt roads back then. Didn't yes. have running water. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, so I, 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 I know that about, about like, that part of uh, Northeast. And so I had, um, you know, my mom, my dad. You know, I was listening to Fella Cootie and Bob Marley like in the early '80s. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I've always had that element of awareness and class consciousness, race consciousness. Okay. Okay. So the the your um your law firm, Stoop Law. Talk about that. What um well even before we get to that, you practicing just once you come out of law school, you pass the bar and all of that. Were you just immediately thinking, like, okay, I'm going to open up my own firm? Or did you think, like, okay, let me just no. go to traditional, let me work work for some other firms, get some cases under my belt, yeah. things like that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I um, no, I, <laughs> I, I definitely did not think I'm going to start my own firm. And, okay. and I, I'm talking to attorneys now. I was very scared to start my firm and I don't think that I'm too different from a lot of people mm-hmm. starting out um, uh, in terms of being scared. I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of people avoid that. Mm. You know, they want to be under someone, they want some instruction. In fairness, there's a lot of stuff in law school that they don't teach you. Um, but no, I was not thinking about starting my own firm. I, I got out in 2010 and the legal field was really hurting then because the economy had just crashed mm-hmm. while I was in law school. Yeah. And, um, you know, people weren't really hiring. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing some temporary stuff. Um, I was applying for jobs. I think I stopped at some point, though, um, just was doing temporary stuff. And then, like, I just was like, I'm going to go out on my own Okay. at some point. Talk about that a little bit more um, in terms of law school being totally different from like the real world oh well i i think that i think that law school it doesn't train you to be the kind of attorney that i am Mm -hmm. you know um i think that probably a lot of my the opposing counsel um maybe 
that's good for like law school. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that the law school can get you in trouble. I find almost in the kind of law I do that my clients give me better legal advice <laughs> than attorneys. And it's not really legal advice. Yeah. They're just expressing to me something that's unfair to them. Yes. Yeah. And so like, I'm like, ah, well, there's a way I can legally ma manifest this somehow. Right. But like people have a real keen sense of when something's not fair to them. Right. Yes, absolutely. And so if you can pick up on that and really listen to it and don't dismiss it, you can figure out a way to make the law work for you. Mm -hmm. And law school doesn't teach that. Okay. Mm. So know, law school teaches you to be like, oh, well, no, you know, <laughs> you can't do it like that. No, right. No. It's like you know it's, I mean? it's, it's either right. like this. Yeah. This is what you can do. This is how much we can get. Right. And anything beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there, there are some. I mean, there are just some ideas that are just commonly accepted, you know, in terms of like how to interpret the law, mm -hmm. how uh, certain policies are, are are implemented, and you know, when you go to law school, those things are kind of inculcated in you. Um, but when you defend people who those policies are harming, mm -hmm. it's not your job to fit those or to to say that what you're telling me doesn't work because these policies say this. Yes. Your job is to say these policies say this, but <laughs> maybe we can like do something else here, you right, know what I mean? Right. And that's what law school doesn't teach you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how long after you started working at other practices and taking on um cases right out of law school did you decide, you know what? Let me let me do my own thing. Let me let me go ahead and just and just take this leap and make it happen with Stoop Law. Um, I say it took about three years. Okay. Three years. Yeah. Okay. And, and I did an uh, internship at a small firm, which um, which was good. Okay. Just good experience for me. Okay. And I think I might know the answer, but I, I don't like to assume. Why why the name Stoop Law? Um, because that's, that's where a lot of my work gets done mm -hmm. on the stoop, okay. like in front of my house, the, the, the front steps, 16th and V is a, a real busy corner. Absolutely. I don't know yes. if people are familiar with 16th yes. street it, Southeast. It definitely is. Um, it might be one of the, uh, most, uh, heavily foot trafficked mm -hmm. areas with, um, African Americans primarily in the city still. Yes. Um, they still call that, they still call that a chopper city. Simple city, what do you call it? No, not simple city, Chapel City. Chapel City, uh, I don't know. But um yeah, I'm I'm over there and you know, it's like a community. People say hi, walk by, people know you, know your name, uh, look out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does it give you like inspiration to be on the street oh, it, or to be it, out there amongst the people? It does, man. It does. It it totally does. Um you know, I mean there's a lot that you see there. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen um like I said, like I, I spoke very positively of it. Like we are a community. We do know each other. Um, we do have like block parties, and we do um, we do care, you know. Yeah. Um, however, like there's a lot of stuff there. So mm -hmm. I've seen two people OD and die, like uh, from heroin. There's a heroin clinic over there where people go to get treated. Yeah, and the so methadone there's, clinic. Yeah, like, yeah, good right. hope, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff over there. You know, there's a lot of drug activity. 
um, a lot of unemployment. Yes. You know, a lot of um, elderly people or hand, uh, disabled people mm -hmm. um, just sitting around all day. Yeah. You know, all day. And um, I think, you know, that that just is a reminder to me that, you know, when you see these people, like, these are good people. You know, when it, and it's funny, like, I talk to some people who visit the area and, and they're, like, fearful of it because there's so many people out. You know, it's just so many people. Mm -hmm. And it's not regulated. Like, here's, like, very regulated. Like, there are people with, like, chairs, like, on the sidewalk. Just, just hanging you know? out. Like, just just hanging cool. out, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and so, like, people are fearful. And I'm like, really, like, these are the most vulnerable people in our society. You have mm -hmm. elderly people here. You have uh, addicts, yep. you know, people who are disabled. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, like, there is it's nothing really to fear but, you know, it does inspire me. It's a reminder to me that a lot of what we deal with is systemic. And it reminds me of the importance of what I do as an attorney. So just knowing that you have this variety of people with all different types of needs coming from disadvantaged but still different circumstances, I'm assuming because that's something else I remember you saying in the, in the podcast um, was um, you don't have a practice focus because mm -hmm. where stoop law is located like people are coming at you with di all different types of legal issues mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and this is actually the first time i ever heard of a, a, a law firm that didn't have a practice focus so mm -hmm. i was just like wow okay so how does how does that work it's just like you know how does it work with you i guess ultimately being a jack of all trades right. in 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 the, in the in the legal sense you know how does that work for you you know well well i mean i've discovered that in the community, I mean, there's a there's a smaller range of legal issues that are going to come up. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I'd imagine if I, if you live in Georgetown, yeah, it's probably like a million different types of legal issues that could possibly come up under the sun. Mm -hmm. So it might be hard to do that. Yeah, you know, as well as people with the resources to come pay you. So it might be might be more feasible to just focus on something. But you know, at Stoop Law, like there's only a few issues that people come with. Yeah, you know, like. They're being messed with by like some government entity mm -hmm. or, um, you know, a landlord mm -hmm. or, um, you know, that that's pretty it. Like yeah. pretty much it. Like the government's messing with them, their landlord's messing with them or their job's messing with them. Yeah. And it's very similar, like <laughs> how to handle all of that stuff. Okay. Okay. And tenants rights, you know, I read articles about that constantly, you know, even mm -hmm. just dealing with that on my own. At one point, you know, I when I was over um, living over in um, mm -hmm. the Bloomingdale neighborhood some years ago, from, yeah. um, right on um, like First and S Street, mm -hmm. our landlord, like, she sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now, my one roommate who stayed in the house much longer than I did, she took her to court, and they finally sided with my roommate, and that former landlord mm -hmm. can no longer mm -hmm. even set foot in that same and this is this house is next door to her house mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know um but just knowing that with tenants rights that <sighs> it's crazy how so much is public knowledge but a lot of people don't know it and also even with people knowing about it just being able to, to communicate and break it down in a way that's more um that's more easily digestible mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. you know so okay um well speaking of that uh with tenants rights Hmm. Yeah, let me go into that. So I know that you 
are also um, representing the uh, the uh, Berry Farm Tenants and Allies Association. Correct. And as most people who have been staying on top of just development within the city overall, you had to have at least seen a, one headline about just um, pending reconstruction, redevelopment of the Berry Farm neighborhood. Right. Um, what... What has that been like for you in terms of just like the constant back and forth? You know, I saw, I read an article, I think either in the city paper or something about how, you know, you got groups like the BFTA, you've got Empower DC fighting, but then you've got residents there who are just kind of just like, eh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, you know, we know it's messed up, but like, what are we going to do? Right. You know, like what has that been like for you just seeing both sides of the coin as the as as the attorney representing this organization? Um, well, I mean, I understand the frustrations of residents because mm -hmm. they've been talking about redeveloping that area for almost 20 years. Yes. And so there's only so much you can take mm -hmm. and, and still be willing to invest your time into stuff that keeps getting put off and changed and. So I think there's just a state of disbelief yes. almost mm -hmm. and kind of a numbness to the whole process. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, I think that's some people. Okay. I think some people are ready to chain themselves to their house and, and they're not going to go. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm uh, frustrated. I, like watching it, I, like I said, I get frustrated. I think that the government is... Um, they're not doing what they're supposed to do over there. And, and a lot of it is uh, they don't have transparency with the residents. Mm -hmm. um, they're not explaining what's going on, um, being misleading about the terms of uh, their relocation, mm -hmm. about the terms of the redevelopment, not sharing with residents that there's still a court case pending. Right, right. And that there's a possibility that they won't have to be relocated. Mm -hmm. They banned us from meetings or not. BFTAA members who are not residents, they banned from meetings. Okay. Um, so, you know, as their attorney, I can't come into the meeting. Right, right. Um, so, so it's like all these different things on the table. Yeah. But there's still no, no, nothing clear, nothing clear, cut, concise, like this no, is what's going to happen. No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. The zoning, the, the Court of Appeals is still waiting to make a decision. Um, so that's, okay. where, that's where we're at with that. Okay. And just thinking about that, you, go, go ahead. Yeah, I was just listening to everything you've been saying, and it sounds like there's unfair treatment of mm -hmm. citizens um, from the top down, but then from the bottom up, it's like unfavorable conditions to live in in general. Right, correct. So you said systematic. Yeah. Is, does that basically define what systematic means to you in the, in the sense of D.C.? Oh, um, um, well, I think that that's one one way, but it's a lot more insidious when I, the way that I did the insidious, the way that I I define systematic, um, would be zoning, um, the process of approving projects. So, say you want to build a, a large building mm -hmm. somewhere, mm -hmm. um, and you want to put three or four hundred people in it, but the area is only for row houses. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a developer and you want to do that, you have to go to the zoning commission and ask for permission. 
because that land is supposed to be developed a certain way. Right. And so if you want to get it more than how it's supposed to be developed, you want more density than what a row house can allow, then you have to go and ask for it. And so you go to zoning and you ask for it, and they've always been getting it. And that's what I mean. That, that's the systemic part. You know, they just rubber stamp whatever these people ask for. And these are the projects that are leading to gentrification, right? But um, another thing that the city will do in the, in the public-private partnerships is they'll do a project like that, and a lot of it will be funded with government money. So I know you've heard of it where there'll be subsidized units in a building. Yes. Yeah. Quote, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. It'll be 50 or 60 AMI, which okay. means that you have to make about $45,000 a year to live there. And that's that's, just that's, to start. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not yeah. max, not No, leading, to start. To start, okay. Well, well, no, that's your max. That, that's what you can make max. Okay. If you make over that, you, you got to pay market rate. You, you, got, you can't get in the building. Okay. Yeah, so you got to pay market. But okay. If, but you have to pay, you have to make 45 grand. You, you have to make that. Okay. And so, like, the, the apartment unit will be like twelve or $1,300 a month. And that's an affordable unit right. in D.C. And they're all one bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And so that's systematic. Mm -hmm. And so when you look up and you're like, where are all the families in D.C.? Mm -hmm. They systematically move the families out of D.C., right. okay. particularly the poor families mm -hmm. who can't, who no longer have subsidized housing that's being built for them. Well, what do you know, speaking about just family units, what do you know about that, uh, that one development that I just read about um, that they want to they build 25 family units on Good Hope Road? I okay. think I'm um, like right off of what, like 16 for Good Hope or... Um, and I think they want to have some retail down below. But oh, just, that'd be cool. I just, I just yeah. read about that... Uh, couple days ago actually I haven't heard about it okay but that sounds like a good project I mean it, it's a rarity to build, to see family housing being built mm -hmm. which is interesting so it's just like I know some I, I know some people who've been saying for many years like you know DC is now all of a sudden anti-family although I see many young families even with means in the city now you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, so it's like, are they, are these people, are they just, are they buying um, like, you know, homes and things like that? Or like, what, what is the case? Cause like, is there, is there really no new family, the, no new family developments being built, you know, which I haven't, I personally haven't looked into. I, I, I can tell you that um, the number of family units being built is very, very sparse. Okay. Um, if you look at most of the buildings, they're studios, one bedrooms, mm -hmm. limited number of two bedrooms, mm -hmm. maybe one or two three bedroom units. Yeah. That's it. It doesn't. Go, none of them go to four bedroom. None of them go to five bedroom. Okay. Um, yeah, and and I mean, there's a there's a lot that's going on. This is systemic in the city. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Systemic. Even the impact hub wasn't mm -hmm. gonna blow y'all up like that, but. Um, <laughs> Talking talk. <laughs> hey man, you know we 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 here, man. Yeah, I I I, I, I forgot I mean, to always, I forgot to mention. I always strive for open, honest discussion. And if you want to drop an f bomb or whatever, you can as well. <laughs> but I don't know for real. Like I want people to always keep it a hundred on this show. You know. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, these are these are places that they put to stimulate areas. Mm -hmm. You know, these are these are, these receive government money, and. Um, 
believe it receives government, receives government money, right? Give it government grants. Um, I'm not sure about Impact yeah. Hub. You don't think so? Uh, maybe some of the other coworkers. Well, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know okay, about Impact okay. Hub. <laughs> maybe not Impact Hub. But yeah, but maybe it still not. is put just, to stimulate the just just the idea of an incubator, mm-hmm. right? Because DC does fund a lot of incubators. Mm-hmm. Yes, in we've seen them pop up all yeah, over. Yeah, they do, and so they will put those in an area like Anacostia. Um, that's that's what you call first wave, mm-hmm. first wave gentrification. You have the artists, right? Have the young people, the creative come class, through, right. make it cool, right, make right. it look make it appealing, hit. and all make of that. Make it a nice place to be. Start drawing people there. And so, you know, they know what they're doing when they put that stuff there and then when they invest government money into that stuff. You know, when you when you put government money into that instead of a school or mm. instead of uh, employment opportunities for the people who live into the ward, mm-hmm. that's basically the government saying, you know, fuck you, Ward 8. You know, we don't want y'all living here. Like, we know what this is going to do when we put the Impact Hub here, when we put the Arts Center here, when we put this black box theater here. We know what's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how we feel like spending our government money. We're not going to do anything to assist you guys, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, maybe you, you can get some jobs here. Right. <laughs> until, like, the second wave comes and then it's too expensive it's for y'all to live here no too. more. But, like, you know, that's it, man. Do you, do you think... Because I look at even just, like, specifically the Anacostia neighborhood because that... That that's where I've spent a good majority of my uh-huh. time throughout life, as far as my time in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, it's funny just with the whole Berry Farm thing. Um, my brother-in-law, his whole family—they're all from Berry Farms. Mm-hmm. Um, my nep- my older nephew's son's mother, her whole family's from Berry Farms. So it's just like you know, um, I have a I have a connection there through that, um, as well as just like my childhood. Um, I spent a lot of time there when my when okay. my brother-in-law was courting my sister. Okay. Yeah, my okay. sister's much much older than me. Okay. Um but um even just more recently when I was over there working at um Capitol Hill Crab Cakes. Uh-huh. Um I was like, "Okay, bet they got Turner Natural here. I can get my my juicing on this that and the third. Mm-hmm. Um you see businesses like that well, you see a business like that. It's not like yeah. there's multiple. Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you see a business like that, um, you see right across the street the pending opening of the coming opening of Busboys and Poets. And this is something that I talked to. I don't know. Um, do you know Chi Chi? Chioma Iwoha? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I um, interviewed her a while back um, and just really knowing that, looking at how a, a business like Busboys and Poets is opening there. Um, I just also want to know, like, what are the residents' feelings with businesses, knowing that businesses like that are coming, or even with the existence of, say, like a turning natural? You know what I mean? Right, like, right. I know Jerry, her whole purpose is she's definitely about, you know, mm-hmm. really just giving the community a, 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 a healthy option, like really right. supporting the community uh-huh. in that regard. Right. But, like, even still, has there ever has there been any pushback when they see something like, a new business of that type opening up versus the same old, like, you know, curry out, fast food, whatever. Well, I mean, I think that the reaction for Turning Natural is mostly positive. Okay. Um, 
and you know it's healthy food option yes it's uh pretty affordable for juice i mean not you know. i mean compared to yeah, other juice I mean, bars yeah, in the city yeah. it's it's pretty low yeah. <laughs> like six dollars yeah. six dollars for a cold pressed juice in dc yeah. that's a damn good deal and yeah. i buy a lot of cold pressed juice it's <laughs> good too absolutely it's good i'm gonna have so, to try it out they got yeah. three locations they got one um right there on good hope they got one at uh 14th h okay um they got one okay. in forestville Oh, uh, word. Right by where um, Roses is. Okay. Right off Forestville Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one shopping center. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're good. I, I mean, and if and it depends who you ask with Bus Boys. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people in the neighborhood who are very excited about their arrival. And there are some people in the community who are not that happy about it. Okay. So it depends on who you, who you ask. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, honestly, I haven't had an opportunity to ask, like, actual residents of um of the neighborhood just like their thoughts i mean i got one of my one of my homegirls she's like yeah i'm happy but like she is also someone who <laughs> some might call her bougie uh -huh. even though she born and raised southeast uh -huh. her uh -huh. mother lives like 15th and w been there for years right, right you know um but i'm like you said i'm pretty sure there are others who were just like this step one right you know right, right. step one um, I want to talk about, since you really have spent pretty much your whole life east of the river, from War 7 to War 8, I really mm -hmm. want to talk about um, people either viewing or even just like in the development of, of the city, people are looking at east of the river as like the final frontier in the redevelopment of D.C. Mm -hmm. um, people have been talking about the plan for a long time, quote unquote, the plan. Right. You know what I mean? Um why what are the you what are the unique needs um and even wants of residents uh of the far east section of of the city you know um well i i can't speak for everybody but mm -hmm. uh just speaking for myself i would say that i would be very appreciative of a grocery store um in the area like yes. uh, pretty, i hear about pretty that close to lot. anacostia i mean we got one, I guess, across the river um, in Harris Navy Teeter. Yard, the Harris Teeter. And then we got one up in Skyland. Safeway. Right. And then um, but it would be nice if we had one a little bit closer to the Anacostia area. Something, you know, something where you get something decent. Yeah. Like, maybe like a groceries. small grocery. <laughs> yeah, something all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, We had a... Uh, Chris Bradshaw of Dreaming Out Loud um, on the show. He um, Dreaming Out Loud is, is basically um, a whole food justice not for profit. Okay. And um, he does a lot of work. Um, he actually has a farm um, behind Kelly Miller Middle School. Okay. Um, and he has an urban farm um, right outside of uh, Blind Wino in Southwest. Okay. And um, I know we were talking. I asked him about the um, what is it the uh, the Good Farms Co-op or Market um, for Southeast. Or just the, the talk of the talk of a co-op being opened mm -hmm. right there in historic Anacostia in the downtown section. Um, I actually got excited when I heard about that because, like, I'm actually pro co-op right. because um, it it's a two-way street with involvement, you know, from the the consumer side and just like you know the the community side. Right, right. You know, so it'd be dope to see something like that. I mean, even more so than a chain. But I mean, a chain would be good because you know you get more, mm -hmm. you know, and people know that, mm -hmm. you know. But um, I think 
I think that the development has just been really the, the whole development um, conversation has been difficult um, on both sides of the coin because with East of the River in particular, like I see that it's not a one size fit all thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I, I see a, the biggest fight coming from East of the River. I see more people wanting to get up and uh, say no to just like coming in and just like bulldozing everything, you know. Um, I don't know. I I I would love to see just some kind of like people meeting in the middle mm-hmm. with uh, with redevelopment. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't think that's possible, man. I I think these developers, man, they. They come over east of the river, their eyes get big, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere they go, actually. Like, I feel like they just want to make as much money as possible. Yeah. And so, like, like I don't trust them. Like, mm-hmm. it's just me personally. Like, I've dealt with them a lot. Okay. And I feel like the only way that you really get what you're worth is if you've twisted their arm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of meeting them in the middle, you know, because they're going upside your head. Yeah. So you go upside their head. <laughs> And then y'all are in the middle, just tangled up then. <laughs> so just, just a big angry fight. But like they're really coming at your head though. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like how do you come, how do you meet in the middle of that? You know, without just like taking one of the face. Good you got to come swinging too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But that's what I say. Like I see that. I see that, you know, from, from many of the residents um, east of the river. Was it just like what, what, at what point will there, I guess maybe a, a, a massive wave Okay. Of 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 new folks, whether it's white, black, whatever, would decide like, you know what? It's safe east of the river. We're gonna go over there. <laughs> Cause you 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 see people now who may or may not have ever lived lived around black people, let alone lived around black people in an urban environment, living in an environment where like, you know, poverty mm-hmm. is real, it's yeah, in your face, uh-huh, it's across uh-huh. the street, it's yeah. next door to you. You know, but like it hasn't been like en masse. Right. You know. Have you guys seen the 11th Street Bridge project? Have you heard about that? I'm I'm familiar with it. I've seen some uh some uh um renderings. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean that hopefully they stay renderings and then it doesn't ever get built. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, this is like their plan, right? You mm-hmm. know, they're marching across the river so they build a bridge, you know, boom, bridge, plant the flag at the foot of the bridge, mm-hmm. you know, start moving up Good Hope, boom, put something at that, that little corner there, right. got a building there, mm-hmm. you know, um, bus boys, got a building there, mm-hmm. way up the street at MLK and Howard, got to yeah. build Morris Road, whatever that street is, got a building there, and so yeah. like, they're just marching along the green line, okay. and it's starting in Columbia Heights, and they're just still moving. Yeah. My question is, where are people moving next? Where are they getting pushed out to? Because before, you know, people would migrate from D.C. to, to Prince George's County mm-hmm, or out Waldorf or something like that. But PG County's whole initiative is to be business friendly. So I don't think they're just going to take people who are getting pushed out of D.C. when they're trying to almost do the same thing. I mean, even where the... the I say both from where both you and I are from. I'm from Oxon Hill. You're from Forestville. Yeah. Like... Just knowing that, okay, ever since, ever since the MGM is open, now it appears as if more things are starting to pick up in regards to redevelopment from that point of Oxon Hill Road all the way up. Mm-hmm. Even just knowing that, like JB JBG 
has just purchased Iverson Mall to redevelop that. Wow. They want to they want to open up a Trader Joe's by um the uh the Census Bureau, the Suitland the Suitland yeah, Federal yeah, yeah, Center. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I read that I was like, oh shit, Trader Joe's in Prince George's County, like Southern PG, because like Southern Prince George's County never had nothing. You know, like mm-hmm. Northern Northern PG got all the like yeah. cultural activities, all the dope restaurants, everything. You know, down south we just got. Fridays. We just got Out a back. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's two. It's, it's two, two Chick-fil-A's. Yeah. Two Chick-fil-A's now. But um But yeah, where are people moving to yeah. out, out of DC? Where are they getting pushed out to? Um I think a lot of people are either moving to um to east of the river. You mm-hmm. know, it's still affordable the okay. most affordable destination. We still receive a lot of people getting pushed out of other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Um I think people go to PG County. Mm-hmm. Um Montgomery County, like way up north mm-hmm. in yeah. Montgomery County. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they just leave the area all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, what was my what was my? So with that, okay, here's my other question: What what do you see as more important, maintaining the existing black population of DC or having more blacks move into the city? Definitely maintaining the existing population of blacks in the city. Um, I, I think that there's way too much of an in- emphasis on attracting new residents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, period. Whether yeah. they're black, white, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to your point about the lack of family housing. Like it's right. become a. Mm-hmm. They're trying to shape it as a transient city. Right. It is. I mean, in. in is a staging ground yes Mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of uh where um you know people send their kids for their first job out of like grad school Mm -hmm. (laughs) come to dc or they go to american or something like that yeah you know wherever come to dc get some subsidized housing that's really nice and luxurious and uh you know it's still expensive it's still like 1300 and Hey, mom and dad will like cover some of it too. Mm-hmm. So, because <laughs> like they're, 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 yeah. they're, the kids themselves are just making that forty-five yeah, right, right. For, out the, for, for the right. first job, right? Out you of know? school, and so that, you know, and and these are white people mm-hmm. receiving these subsidies. So that's that's kind of what they've turned the city into is just kind of a staging ground for um, for people until they move out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until they have their family and move into their stable neighborhoods, you mm-hmm. know they've destabilized all of our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But like you know, when they get ready to have their family, they'll move to Montgomery County or you Virginia, know, or Virginia, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And like going back to what I was talking about earlier with just like how I know gentrification and just massive redevelopment of of cities is not unique to just DC, but nope. just from what I've I've witnessed. And I could be wrong, but it just appears as if this the, this redevelopment here is just like really rapid. Like, yeah. And it's it's I guess it. And even if it's not, maybe it's just so noticeable because DC proper is so small compared to many other major cities, you know. But I'm just like I told you when I I came back after being gone for three and a half months, and I'm just like, what happened in three and a half months, you know? Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Especially Navy Yard. Like, there are cranes everywhere. You look all over the city, there are cranes. And you look at a lot of the buildings, they're not filled up either. Yeah. So something's going on. Mm-hmm. Something's going on. I, and seeing it at a really granular level, working at zoning and, 
hearing about different stuff going all over, on all over the country, the corruption with Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's an age that we're in. Yeah. Like, I don't think that this is isolated to D.C. or the United States even. I think that there are very powerful people consolidating wealth right now. Mm-hmm. People, because people, these are, a lot of these deals that we're seeing with these big development projects, mm-hmm. this used to be government-owned land. It used to be public property. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is things that were public coming into private hands. Mm -hmm. And almost like it's outside of the law. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Things things are not happening the way they should at the Zoning Commission. Mm -hmm. Um, The mayors, you know, with their their donations and everything. Like, it's just... Corruption. I think it's happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's happening. This is just the time that we live in. Money talks. Yeah. Big around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real. Majorly, majorly. Um, well, I know we 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 follow each other on Facebook, and um, one one I I'm a huge fan of Ari's post because he always he's another cultural agitator. Like what? I, um, talking I, that shit. My, my, that real my, shit. My homeboy, uh, Marcus K. Dallin, he's also a friend of the show. Like I call him a cultural agitator. Mm-hmm. Great writer, um, journalist, because um, he gets you thinking about things, popular topics, in a different way, you know. And so you definitely do that too. And like one of your one of your most recent posts was about just really not feeling Jay Z, you're not, and more so not feeling him because I had to really read. Cause at first I was like, man, he talk about black empowerment and like group economics and all that. Like that's great. But what you talked, what you brought up, what made which made me really think was when you talked about the exploitation part, mm-hmm. and just even with him owning like like this much of the Barclays Center, yeah, but being used as the face of that mm-hmm. and being okay for with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's still helping, and still he still played a part in just like the 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 redevelopment and displacement of people, thousands within, of people within Brooklyn. within Brooklyn, his own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder: okay, is there a way for blacks to fully embrace capitalism without exploiting our own? I think that I think that. We, as a people, can do capitalism how other people do capitalism. Okay, talk about that. Because that's that was your other post. And, and right. <laughs> and I was like, right. I never thought about it like this either. So go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like we, we bought into the whole integration and equality model. Mm-hmm. We bought into that. And, and it's almost like we, we even get upset when we don't get treated equal. Mm-hmm. And I, and I almost feel like something's weirds going on since we want to be treated equal, like we treat people equal. Like mm-hmm. we, but like, that's just not how the world works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you got Chinatown. Yes. You know, and you got Microsoft. Mm-hmm. You go into Microsoft, you know, yeah, they probably have a bunch of Asians in there, but Microsoft's mostly like a white company. Yeah. I don't see a bunch of black people in there. Mm-hmm. They're not like trying to be all fair and stuff and have people in there. Like, and so when you, and yeah, so when someone asked me, when someone asked me, like, you know, what, what do you think of Bill Gates? And I'm like, well, Bill Gates uplifted his community. He did that. Mm-hmm. 
he employs America. Mm-hmm. That's his shit. That that's white. You know, that's that's their world. Mm-hmm. You know, and they look out for each other in that world. Yeah. They have a set of rules that work for them. Right. And we got a different one, a different set of rules when we go and play over there. Right. Okay. And so if we do capitalism like that, I'm good with it. Okay. But the type of capitalism we do is we'll we'll align ourselves with the gates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll be like the Trojan horse for some fuck shit into our communities. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, that's capitalism. And so that's like what Jay-Z did with the Barclays Center. He owned, like, uh, 50th of, like, 1% of the Nets and was like, yeah, I'm going to be, like, the owner of, like, the Nets, and we're going to bring the Nets to Brooklyn. Like, this is what we doing. And so, like, he got support um, that or that project got support that it probably wouldn't have got mm-hmm. if he wasn't the face of it. Probably a lot of people might have got angrier about it if he wasn't the face of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Jay-Z and you're like, oh, that's Jay-Z, you know, like, he's not, he not going to let nothing happen. That's like where he's from, you know what I mean? Like, he got this. But, like, Jay-Z was looking out for himself. He got, like, a 40-40 in the stadium. Right. He got, like, some millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So, like, he getting kickbacks for this stuff. And, you know, Jay-Z is really corporate. You know, he's with Samsung, uh, you know. Sprint. Yeah, Sprint. Like, like this guy's like, corporate, man. And, and, like, so his identity politics, we see the identity politics. And that's what's happening and again, like, it's just an age we're living in with, like, Obama and Michelle and the kids and, and Jay-Z and Beyonce and the just kids. Just, like, symbolism. This is, this is, like, black royalty. You know what I mean? Like, we don't got shit, but, pres- but we got Jay-Z and President Beyonce, pre- you know, like, shit. Royalty. Like, we ain't got nothing. We got them, though. Which is maybe... <laughs> which might be one don't of, talk about them right. yeah. that's all i got <laughs> which which might be one of the reasons why so much so much focus has been placed on just the infidelity component yeah. of this mm-hmm. 444 album right. it's just like right. there's a lot of other topics people could be like harping on mo- right. but like of those two the the, the black empowerment right. and the infidelity mm-hmm. you see more conversations in the media about the infidelity oh well, yeah because that's the you know, that, that's the respectability politics, and that's what they represent. It's almost like new royalty mm-hmm. in this country, you know. They, 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 I wouldn't say they're kings and queens. Not even Obama. He's not a king or a queen. He, he, he runs a fiefdom. These people have fiefdoms. So mm-hmm. back in the day in, like, England, they had, like, a castle. Yeah. And then, like, you know, maybe there was, like, a further out part of the kingdom that they couldn't get to to get their taxes. Maybe those people were, like, super warlike or something. And, like, you know, the effort that it took to get out there and get whatever wasn't worth it, so you needed to put somebody out there. Mm -hmm. You weren't going to send somebody out there from your place. You was going to find somebody who got along in that culture to run it, Mm -hmm. you know, and you was going to co-opt him. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm seeing, you know. That's that's how I view Jay-Z, you know. That's how I view Obama. Like, these people are, they're not on our side. They're not. You don't get that high. You don't get that high up. You've been vetted. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been vetted. Marcus has was saying something similar when we interviewed him. Yeah, <laughs> he was talking about like the feudal, the feudal uh, proposal Jay Z made to Beyonce uh-huh. and to to take to you know start dating her and you know take her hand in marriage, but you just sit down and mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. Yeah, they're black royalty. That's black royalty. We we have royalty in this com- country now. I want to talk a little bit about. 
just I want to see your opinion on like the black dollar or the state of the black dollar today because um, purchasing power, what they say, mm-hmm. African Americans lead that we're the highest consumer demographic. You hear that all the time, but just like trillion, a trillion dollars every year we spend. It. Right, but then you look, you look at our, uh, <laughs> you look at our net wealth, like true religion we're file for bottom. bankruptcy. The black the people, the last people buying it when, when. When the when the uh, when the when the bros and the Jersey Shore crew was over it, right? Black people were still buying True Religion. I'm just like, why are y'all so, still buying it? So shit? another thing is in bad investments, right? Or lack of investments. Uh-huh. That's another reason why our money doesn't always stretch in terms of like the income because we don't really diversify. It's a number of things we could talk about, but some people say, well, you know, um, pull your pull yourself by your bootstraps or like own a brick and mortar or do this, you know, run your own company. But that's mm-hmm. easier said than done. Like, how do you how do you feel about is that a, that's another piece of the system, and if so, how do you see that? How do you view that? Um, black empowerment in terms of just the black dollar, just like it's 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 true value and just and what we can really do with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Besides besides consumption of other people's products. Okay. Well, I think that I think that we need to start investing in our communities and in the things that we're interested in and mm-hmm. things that we want to do, you know? Um, and I, and I think that that's important. Um, Has just... anybody ever asked people that? Cause you know, oftentimes in the gentrification conversation, it's it, the, 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 the perspective is always one side. It's like, okay, the people who are being pushed out, they're just complaining and they don't, they, they got all this cool stuff now and they don't like any of it. And it's just like, but did anybody even ask them like what they wanted? Like what right. what is it they like or like what right. they consider no. better? I can tell you no. <laughs> Nobody ever asked that. And if they did ask, it was just a perfunctory process that they went through and it wasn't anything meaningful. Mm-hmm. So okay. no, they don't people we don't get asked. When they when they decided to build the eleventh street bridge project, they didn't go up and down sixteenth street and take a survey and figure out, hey, you know, what do you want to see over here? And it wasn't like a bunch of people said a bridge. No, <laughs> like they had a meeting and decided that they were gonna do that and then they called a neighborhood meeting and was like, We're building a bridge. Just like, to let you know. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like how how do you want it to be? Oh no, we can't do that. We can do that. No, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, but at the end of the day, it's not what we want. It's not about what we want. None of this stuff is for us. But, so basically, just in investing in what it is that we want yeah, as a community. We, yeah, we need to invest in each other. Um, and, and, I, and I think that, I think just bird's eye view, um, we need to be more cognizant of the decisions that we make in terms of, uh, working and, and how we spend our money and how it impacts our community mm-hmm. you know like I, most of the people most of the people that I work for or work against like who are doing like horrible like things to the city mm-hmm. like my opponents they're black attorneys um, they're they're partners and stuff at different firms and they're big firms and they have no idea about the city um, but like that's Jay Z, right? That's Jay Z's mentality. Like, just get paper, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. who cares? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like I'm getting paid. Like, right. what? Like, I don't gotta think about what what I'm doing here. You Dead know? president. Yeah, and it's just a certain 
certain awareness that I think we need to start having like in all of our life, mm -hmm. like holistically, you know, the, about the decisions we make and how it's impacting people. So even even speaking to Jay-Z again, so you, I'm guessing then you don't even see him bailing out all these inmates as a genuine move. Man, I, someone like Jay-Z, like, People like Jay-Z, people who have millions and billions of dollars and stuff, mm -hmm. you do not get to be a billionaire by acting outside of your interest. Very true. Probably if you have a thousand instances, mm -hmm. out of those thousand, 999.9999 times you've acted in your own interest, you know, because... Because at the end of the day, if you, if you keep acting outside your interest, you're not going to get to that level. Right. You're right. going to be losing money. Absolutely. And so, like, when I see Jay-Z doing that, I see him, like, placing an investment. Mm -hmm. There's something he's trying to, there's something he's trying to pull off, pull out of this. You know what I mean? Like, like he's putting some money in. Okay. Like, even Bill Gates, when, when he's over in uh, Africa doing the, the Gates Foundation mm -hmm. and stuff. That stuff's about cultural erasure. They're trying to make it so people want windows. That's all he's doing. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Like, like you can do those things that you're doing over there. Why do you have windows behind your back though? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like why do you have Windows software? Like, what's that behind your back? Right, right, right. You know, so they got the, you know, the age drugs in one hand and then like the Windows software. Mm. And and like but like Windows, like that's culturally racial. Like they don't got, fuck. you know. What I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how people feel about it. To me, it's culturally racial. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody needs to have Windows. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I think our world would be fine if people, if not everyone got it. Okay. I mean, most people don't have it. Believe it or not. So. Uh, what the, oh yeah. <laughs> more, more. There's more people in the world even without just like access to computers in general than than what we realize. You know, um, hey. even within this country, there's still tons of people without access to computers. And, and even how we frame it, without access, like you say, without access, I would say without interest. <laughs> Probably more people without interest in a damn computer. And that, that's, that's something that you never hear about, ever. No one ever talks about, like, they really just don't care. Like, my dad. Right. I think even age aside, he's, he, if he could just get by with a flip phone and nothing mm -hmm. else, never signed up for a Facebook account or nothing. Mm -hmm. He would be fine. And this is the same man who bought me my first computer and hooked it all up for me, right. showed me how to use it. But like mm -hmm. to this day, he's just like, man, they just gave me this smartphone. I don't even, I, I, I don't know. Like I was fine with my other phone, what have you. Um, and I just think about even younger people who were just like, I don't need all that. It's too, it's too intrusive, mm -hmm. this, that, and the third, you know. But then my, on a micro level, Say, for instance, a uh, dude in the streets, whatever he's doing, get his money. A lot of guys will be on, like, got to get money, get this money. You know, it's about, it's about the money. They decide they go legit, still maintaining that same mentality of get money, get money. Get money. Do you think that they at some point get some kind of their moral compass shifts to prevent them from going in the same direction as um, a Jay-Z or anybody who came from the same background, but like now they're just like millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm asking. I'm asking. Do Do I think that people change their mentality from having to just get money? Because it's, it's it's tons of drug dealers that went legit. You know, but there's not there's not a, a lot of them who are like multimillionaires. Multimillionaires. Um, and I mean, when I say legit in regards to like starting their own businesses, things right, like that. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I certainly takes skill. You know, I'm not taking that away from Jay Z. I mm-hmm. don't think that. You know, the only thing he has going for him is that he doesn't have a soul. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. I think, uh, you know, he definitely has other talents and gifts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think being soulless is like a guaranteed ticket to millions. Okay. Okay. But but it it can help, though. Mm -hmm. It can definitely help. For the next generation, what can we teach them or... How can we set them up for the best chance for success? You know, the the next generation of African American young men and women. Um. Wow. I mean, I would just say return to the communities, man. Just return home. Like, come back. Like, if you don't want to live there, like, come back and like volunteer. Mm-hmm. Just your time and your expertise mm-hmm. and just being present. Reach back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, because what I see happening now, and, and it's really scary with gentrification, because, you know, once we lose areas like Anacasi, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, our communities then are on Twitter and Facebook. That's what our communities will be. I'll even say, like, looking at, and I, going back to Anacostia again, it's just like, one, Eastern River has been mislabeled all the time, like, I've seen stuff on TV where they call Anacostia is Southeast. Mm-hmm. All of all of Southeast is Anacostia. Like all of East of the River is Southeast. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I saw when they did uh, that uh, that PCP episode on Drugs Inc. And how did they frame it? it was like uh, they were like in Southeast, but they're like the Anacostia neighborhood or like. The, and I'm just like, actually, you were in Congress Heights in the, in the location because they were right there at that same intersection, MLK mm-hmm. and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they even showed um like a shot of Tyler House and whatnot. I'm just like, Tyler House? Is that's, that's not Ward. That's not even Ward 8, mm-hmm. let alone not Southeast. So um, that also even knowing like with the the most recent um, the uh, on Wong's World, um, when they got to the, uh, the segment that they filmed, um, at Capitol Hill Crab Cakes. Okay. Um, in the lower third, they they label. When I found out this was Vice's doing, not anybody from here's doing. Mm-hmm. They labeled um, Tony Lewis as the son of Ward Eight, and so I I, I looked into this because mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, I know he wouldn't say, yeah, I'm the son of Ward Eight. But when I found out that it was Vice, I was just like, what's this about? It's just like, why is this narrative of like the struggle coming out of Ward 8 or the struggle coming out of Anacostia Southeast so, you know, popular in the media, mm-hmm. you know, um, to the point where it's just like, man, this really bothers me because it's like, I know, I know firsthand, you know firsthand, struggle is not the only story. It's not. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's, all, it's, 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 it's offensive, yeah, you know, it's definitely yeah. offensive. I'm pretty sure even more offensive to somebody who actually grew up there and is from uh-huh. there, that part of town, uh-huh. you know. Um, but, um, I don't know. I would, I would hope to see less of that. I don't know if it's going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, um, before we go, 
I wanted to ask one more question. What inspires you to keep going and doing this work every day? You know what I mean? Because, uh -huh. like, you, you don't have an easy job. You know, people yeah. here, attorney, people here, lawyer, they're thinking, like, you know, you're making money and, like, you, you know, you got yeah. this, like, really glamorous life. You get these really high-profile cases, like, you know. Um, but, you know, the work you do is not the sexiest work, but it's, it's, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, so what inspires you to just keep going every day? Well, I mean, I think it's just being in the in the community and um, just knowing, like, like I I've uncovered a lot of stuff, like working, like doing the work that I do, and just seeing how like shady everything is and like corrupt. Mm -hmm. um, it really makes you angry, and, and you kind of want to document it, you know. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause at some point it does get overwhelming, but like you. You want people to know that, like, yo, this happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what they did to us. Like, don't let them do it to you. You mm -hmm. know. So, like, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I do, like, I know, you know, may not be successful, mm -hmm. but it's knowledge, you know, being shared, and um, hopefully, maybe someone else can pick it up and run with it and do something. You know. Mm -hmm. But it's just con contributing. Okay. I think that's what inspires me is just being a contributor to our betterment and well-being. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you do you do you write? You ever thought about writing like even just blogging or whatnot? Well, I write on my Facebook page. Nah, man, for public <laughs> consumption, not just people who are friends of yours. Because, like I said, you, I, I, I mean, your Facebook posts are pretty much blog posts, you know, mm -hmm. and that's because you're really conveying just what you've just sat down and processed about certain things happening in the world around us. So I was just like, wonder if he's ever thought about blogging or just really like, you know, starting a medium page or something like that, man. Like I, I'm pretty sure people will read what you have hmm. to say on a, on a daily basis. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I definitely, I probably will, um, write a book. Okay. So that takes yeah. me into what's next for Ari Teresa. Well, I got, um, a lawsuit coming, D.C., D.C. government, you hear me? Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> it's a lawsuit, lawsuit D.C. government way. listens to this podcast, so they, they, they hear, they hear. It's a law, lawsuit on the way for all of the uh, intentional things that you've done to the city, and you know what you've done. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I am working on a book, so. Okay. Uh, ETA for the book, um, another year. End of the year, I should be done. End okay. of the year, next year. Got a title for um, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, Can you share it yet or no? It's, yeah, nah. Not yet? Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it should be done soon. Okay. What can, this is about, is this a, a, an, an autobiography? Like, what is, what? Well, it's, it's, it's a memoir, but I, but I think that um, really it's, it's about, I, I think it's a, a piece about colonialization, mm -hmm. but like from like Southeast. Okay. That's going to be a good read. That's yeah. going to be a great read. Yeah. That's going to be a great read. So end of the year, we should, we should look out, we should look out for this book. This, that will yeah, in the remain in the nameless. Year, next year. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Where can, uh, where can people find you, Ari? Um, find me, uh, 1604 V street. Southeast, uh, my number is 202-651-1148. Um, 
my email is acteresa at stooplaw, S-T-O-O-P-L-A-W dot com. And uh, you could friend me on Facebook. I accept all friend requests. Check them out, y'all. And check them out in real life, too, man, because... Um it's been a, it's been a minute since I've been over on 16th Street, but I used to hang out at the Madison House quite quite oh, yeah. often. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. right behind me, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I Shout out algebra. Yeah, algebra. Had <laughs> to get algebra up here for a health and wellness episode because I, I I really like what he's doing too over there. But um, yeah, man, come see come see Ari in t- real life. Hit him up on Facebook. Look out for the book. Ari, thank you once again for coming on the show. Okay. All right, thank you, thank you. The All The Fly Kids show is powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by Backpack Matt and Ryan Gordon and produced by Geronimo Knows, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.